Hey guys, this is Pastor Neil. I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. Hey, would you do us a huge favor today? Would you subscribe, like, or leave us a review wherever you get this content? It really helps us reach other people with the gospel. Also, we would love, love to see you at our campus uh, on a Sunday morning. We meet at 1010 South Bowie Drive in Weatherford, Texas. You can check out our service times and more information about the church on our on our website, waterhousechurch.com. Check us out on Facebook or any other social media sites that you may have. We would love to see you. I pray that today you are renewed, restored, refreshed, and that your spirit comes alive. Now here is today's message. We're going to continue our series on free by fall. It's a heavy message today, so here's the disclaimer this morning. If you have kids in here, we're going to be talking about demons. And and so it may scare them, but I don't want them to be afraid, but I'm going to be raw. I'm going to just tell stories that happened. Um, and so I want you to just be upfront and know this is kind of a PG-13 type of message. Uh, and so you still have time to get your kids in kids' church if you want to do that. Um, Please feel free to, but just know if they stand here, they're probably going to have questions, and that's okay. Just be willing to answer those questions for your kids. Uh, and so I'm just putting that disclaimer out, especially for the rest of this, this series, uh, because I know that when we get into stuff, we're going to be talking about hard things. We're going to talk about things that happen to people, uh, events that happen to people, and then how, how God overcomes. That's a, it's a redemption story, but we're going to share the hard things, and so we don't want to shy away from that because that's where God works, all right? And so we have uh, this passage today out of Luke, Luke chapter 4, verse 31. This is going to be the passage we're reading out of. And so we stand around here for the reading of the word. So if you'd like to stand, we're going to read this word. This is the passage for today, Luke 4, 31. Then Jesus went to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and taught there in a synagogue every Sabbath day. There, too, the people were amazed at his teaching, for he spoke with authority. Once when he was in the synagogue, a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit, cried out, shouting, Go away! Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus reprimanded him. Be quiet. Come out of the man, he ordered. All that, at that, the demon threw the man to the floor as the crowd watched. And then it came out of him without hurting him any further. Amazed, the people exclaimed, What authority and power this man's words possess. Even evil spirits obey him. And they flee at his command. The news about Jesus spread through every village in the entire region. Father, I pray that today, God, I speak only what you want me to speak. Lord, I pray for the ears to hear, the hearts to receive today, Lord. Lord, I pray that we would understand our authority over evil spirits, our authority over the evil one. God, that we do not run in fear, but God, we, we run to the fight. And I thank you for that. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone in here that is being attacked uh, by the demonic, anyone in here that's being spiritually attacked, Lord, that they would find freedom today. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here, God, that needs deliverance, that they're delivered today. If there's anyone here that needs healing, that they are healed here today. Father God, we give you this service, we give you our time, and we give you this moment. In Jesus' mighty name, when the church says, amen. amen. May I have a seat. So today we are talking about demons, but more importantly, we're talking about Jesus' authority over demons. And so uh, for the study of this message, I, I read several books, and one of them that I read 
Uh, so I'm going to give you, you can write these down. I didn't give them to the, the pro presenter guys, but you can write some of these down. And this message is really heavily uh, influenced by a series from Robert Morris titled Free Indeed. And so you can go online and watch Free Indeed by Robert Morris of Gateway Church. He does really good. A lot of these, it, it kind of lines right up with what we're doing here in Freedom. And so you can watch those as well. kind of opens it up for you more. Also, there's a book called Biblical Deliverance by Randy Clark. It's probably one of the best uh, books I've read on deliverance and how it's and looking at the biblical context of deliverance. Another book I read was Thou Shall Expel Demons by Derek Prince. And then it's kind of influenced by another book that I recommend, but you need to be strong in your faith and your maturity level, Unseen Realm by Michael Heiser. Um, so those are some extra readings. If you just have time on your hand, you want to read. Uh, those are good books uh, and good series to, to reach into. But today I am talking about demons. And so we're going to answer some questions today. Number one is, what are demons? Uh, and then we're also going to answer the question, can a believer be possessed by a demon? And another question we're going to ask is, how do we overcome the demonic in our lives? Uh, if you look in Scripture, you see demons very often in the New Testament. If you look in the Old Testament, you don't see the word demon because the word daemon, or D-A-M-E-O-N, is actually a Greek word. And so you don't use it in the Old Hebrew text, but in the Old Testament, you do see the term evil spirit several times. You see it uh, when, when an evil spirit comes on Saul. You see it influencing people. You see uh, familiar spirits. Uh, you see the word evil spirit used over and over in the Old Testament. So they're very present in the Old Testament, just as in the New Testament. But in the New Testament writing, I want to talk about this word demon, because that's the word we kind of know, and that's the word we use in Western culture. The word demon means this. It's a supernatural being. It's a spirit, a divine force, a semi-divine being, an evil spirit, or a malevolent force, a demon. And so when we say demon, this is what we mean. We know a spiritual being, it's a spirit, a divine force, a semi-divine being. They're not all-powerful. Christ and God are the all-powerful ones. They are semi-divine and evil spirit or a force that's seeking to wreak havoc in your life. And so demons are simply that. And so when we say the word demon or we say evil spirit, this is what we're talking about. And so we also know that demons uh, possess things or they inhabit they inhabit things. You see this in Scripture. They're inhabiting a person. They latch on to a person. They even inhabit animals. When Jesus cast them out into pigs, you see that as well. And you, they also inhabit images. If you go back in the Old Testament, you'll see a lot of the idols, uh, things like this that, that talk about them being having a spirit in them. You have to look deep, but it's there. Uh, and so we know that demons have to possess something. They have to inhabit something. And so when we talk about a person being possessed, we talk about a person being inhabited or occupied by a demon. And so I want to ask the question to you. I want to answer the question that somebody asked. Can you really be possessed as a believer? And so I think we need to understand what we mean by possessed. Okay? What we mean by possessed. I wrote this down. Uh, by possession, we mean demon occupation of a human being. But the term possession is misleading and is not the best translation for the Greek word, which literally means to be demonized. Which really means to be demonized and can often best be translated to have a demon. The noun form is demoniac. The Greek word is daimon zomai, which is to have a demon, with a demon. 
And so when we say somebody is demonized or somebody's with a demon, we simply say they're being affected by a demon. And so the question is, can I be possessed? Can I be owned? That's really the question we're asking. Can I be owned by a demon if I'm a believer? Well, Scripture strongly says no. In 1 Peter 2.9, it says this, For you are not like that. He's talking about unbelievers versus believers. He's contrasting this. Peter is. For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's own very own possession. You are possessed by God. He owns you if you're a believer. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Before you came to Christ, you were owned by sin and death. When you come to Christ, you are owned by him. So you also see this in John 10. Jesus himself is explaining how God has given him his people. John 10, 27, Jesus says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me, for my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from my Father's hand. The Father and I are one. Jesus is saying there's no one more powerful than God. Nothing can rip them away from me. They're given to me. And so the idea that a, that a believer can be, uh, can be owned by a demon is, is, not, is truly not founded. But can a believer be affected by a demon? Absolutely. Absolutely. I've seen it over and over. I've experienced it over and over. In my own life, there's been times where, where spirits have dominated my life in certain ways. So absolutely, a believer can be affected or demonized in a certain way. What I mean by demonized is there's different levels of demonization. Some people are slightly demonized. Other people, like the, the man in, with the legion, if you read scripture, completely demonized and completely controlled by the demonic. And so we have this demonic force that comes up against us, this demonic force that wants to inhabit us, control us, and stop the work of God. And so we can be influenced by and affected by a demon. Think of it like this. If you have a sickness like a cold, what happens when you have that cold? What does the cold do? It causes effects in your body, right? You sneeze, you uh, cough, you have a fever, you're achy. Things in your body happen because you're affected by this cold. And when, it, when a demon or an or a evil spirit affects you, there's often these manifestations or effects that happen. And so when you are affected by one, you may, which I'm going to talk about in a minute, you may experience different things. And so demons are here to affect you. They're here to stop what God is doing. And they are here to basically undo the work of God. And many, many times we don't know uh, that we partner with demonic beings very often, even believers. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna poke here, but I am gonna poke a little bit. You know, I see people posting on social media their their horoscopes. And look, I'm look, you may think that's that's nothing nothing wrong with that, but that's influenced by the demonic. Anything that is not from God is demonic. Anything that is not from the Holy Spirit must be an evil spirit. And so I'm saying we, we, we take crystals and we pray, you know, we think they're going to bring us peace or, or we, we read horoscopes, we go to tarot readers, we do these things. This is dabbling with the demonic. In 1 Corinthians, Paul tells the people, of it, the, the people here, 
because they're dabbling with the demonic. They are actually eating food, knowing that it was sacrificed to a false god or a demon, and they're partnering with that demon. In 1 Corinthians, Paul tells the church in Corinth, consider the people of Israel are not those who eat the sacrifices participants in the altar. What do I imply then, that food offered to idols is anything or that an idol is anything? The idol is just an idol, but it's what's behind that idol that matters. No, I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. What do you mean? They're, no, they're, they're sacrificing to Aphrodite. They're sacrificing to these Greek deities. Paul is saying these are demons. These are false gods. These are small gods. And if you, if you go back to the, the main word, daemon, D-A-M-E-O-N, it can also mean God. And so he's saying you're partnering with demons. You're participating with demons. I do not want you to participate with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake in the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? So Paul very strongly suggests that believers can be partnering with the demonic. And so next week, Mike is going to talk a little bit about these open doors, how we partner with the demonic without realizing it. And so I, can't, I hope you're here for next week's message. It's going to be powerful about how, to, how, how the doors are opened in your life for the demonic to come in, how you shut those doors and root spirits and what they do. But the main goal, and I kind of touched on this a second ago, the main goal of a demonic presence or, 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 or any kind of demonic influence is to disrupt the work of God, number one to deceive away believers, number two, and from the truth and destroy God's image bearers. They hate the image of God. Think about in the Garden of Eden, what happens? Adam and Eve are there. There's this perfect relationship with God. Satan comes in. What's he do? He deceives them. He teaches them to not follow God's ways. He disrupts the work of God in the garden, and then he seeks to destroy his image bearers, Adam and Eve, and all mankind. And so this, this assignment of demonic spirits, this assignment of evil spirits, is to do simply this. And they do it in many, many ways. And I want to just say this. We tend to, in the Western culture, and the Western, even in the Western church, excuse away all supernatural things. I, I, you know, I, I grew up in a church. I never really witnessed uh, anybody affected by a demon in, in a certain way. I've never really witnessed any of the supernatural uh, for when I was young, but now I've witnessed a whole lot. But I, I was just blind to it. God was doing it, but I tried to excuse it away. Well, it was just this. Well, it was, well that person must have just got better, or maybe it was just a, a mental illness. And, and I, please hear me when I say this. Not everything that affects you is demonic, right? Because I think sometimes we have the, the tendency to find a demon behind every bush, right? But I want to tell you, they're behind more bushes than you think. And so we need to be alert and be aware of what's going on. I heard one person say this, that we are spiritual beings having a physical experience. <laughs> we are spiritual beings. And so as spiritual beings, we need to dive into the spiritual reality around us and have discernment about what's going on. And so we, we need to understand what demons do, what they want to do, and how to combat them. And often we try to come at demons in a, uh, in, a wrong, in, the, in a wrong way. What I mean by that is somebody said this once and it really stuck with me. You can't disciple a demon and you can't cast out the flesh. What that means to me is like so often somebody's demonized, somebody has a very spiritual stronghold in their life and we try to disciple them and we try to 
I mean, we try to explain it away or we try to treat it in a different way when really they just need deliverance. And then also on the other side, we try to deliver somebody when really they just need discipleship. Maybe they have a stronghold in their life they need to get rid of. They need, they need scripture. They need somebody to walk alongside them and help disciple them in that pattern. we got to get it right. That's why we need discernment. We need to know how we are to approach people and how do we approach things in our life we can bump up against. Because I hear people all the time say, well, man, the devil's really after me today. I had a flat tire. I mean, that could be the case. But maybe your tire was really bald because you didn't take the, you know, didn't take the responsibility to get your tire changed. So we have to see what's really at, what's natural and what's supernatural. And here's a good lens to figure out what's natural and supernatural. If it's not natural, then it's supernatural. Let's say it's easy, right? So we have to, we have to, we have, to have some discernment. God gives us discernment. Just ask him and he'll tell you. And so here's some ways that uh, demons or evil spirits affect people. We know in Scripture that often they cause physical conditions. In Matthew 9, it tells this story uh, of someone that was affected. It says, when they left, a demon-possessed man who couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. And so Jesus cast out the demon, and the man began to speak. The crowds were amazed. Nothing like this has ever happened in Israel, they said. So we know that, that demons can actually cause you where you can't speak. Like I said, not all the time. Somebody that's mute is, is, is possessed by a demon, but sometimes they are. Same with deafness, same with blindness. Jesus cured diseases, and he also cast out demons. So we need to realize that. In Luke 13, 10, it says this. Now he was teaching in the one synagogue. This person's in church, just like the person we read at the beginning. This person's sitting in church, and there's a woman sitting there that's been oppressed by a demon. He's sitting there on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a young woman who had a spirit of infirmity. That's a spirit of, of uh, even crippledness that can't move. Something's happening. Could be something in her stomach that's causing her to bend over. Could be arthritis in her back. We don't know exactly what the infirmity was, but it was definitely a spirit causing the infirmity for 18 years. It was bent over and could, and could not in no way raise herself up. You see the rest of this passage that the people see Jesus heal this lady. They get mad. How are you healing this woman on the Sabbath? Don't you know it's against the law? And he's like, this woman's been bent over for 18 years by the devil. How can I not show her mercy? And so Jesus comes and casts out the demons that cause physical illness. I experienced this in Honduras. There was a woman that uh, we were at a, uh, a big revival, and it was in the middle of San Pedro Sula, the biggest city in Honduras. And I was there with a group called Loli, Light of Life International, and, and they were doing this big rally. And they had the president of San Pedro Sula, uh, the, the president of Honduras, and the governor, and the, not the governor, but the mayor of San Pedro Sula were all at this gathering. It was a big prayer session. And when we got to the altar time, all these people, there's 20,000 people in the soccer stadium. They all rushed down to the altar area. And we're just Western Americans. We have never experienced this kind of stuff. And so we get down there. It's like a war zone. People throwing up, people passing out, people laying over. This, this woman right next to me, She's standing there. Her eyes are open like this. She's coughing. She can't say anything. She looks terrified. And she's like, and, and I'm like, what do I do with this, God? What, this, obviously, this lady's manifesting something demonic in her life. And like, what do I do? And all of a sudden, these ladies come up, and they start praying for her. And again, American church, right? We think there's demons, but we don't really believe it, or we like try to dismiss it away. They're trying to cast this thing out of her. I'm like doing the same thing they're doing. I'm 
probably speaking Spanish. I don't know what they're saying. It's just chaos, right? And so you do what you can do, right? You're, you're in a war. You just start picking things up and throwing things. And so I'm, I'm trying to cast this thing out of this woman, and about five minutes go along, nothing. She's still, she's still manifesting. She's still sitting there, eyes wide open, like white. I'm talking white eyes. There's no pupils. She's sitting there. She's, she's coughing. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. So I'll walk around and start praying for other people. And then eventually I come back to this woman. She's still doing the same thing. And I'm like, God, what do I do with this woman? There's nobody around her. She's still in the same state as I left her. And, and so I prayed, like, God, how do I help this poor woman? And I felt God say, go hug her. And I'm like, I'm not hugging that woman. She's got a demon in her. <laughs> and, and so I go up and I hug her. And I'm like, okay, now what? And the Lord says, let's make her worship me. And so I grab her hands. I put them up. I say, just worship the Lord. And immediately her eyes came back to normal. She started worshiping. She started speaking and worshiping God. You see, a lot of times people just need compassion. And often we, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here, but often we, we beat up the person instead of dealing with the demon inside that person or that's affecting that person. We, we tend to, to, to beat up the sinner, right, and not deal with the sin. And so we have to have compassion on people. And so this woman definitely had the spirit of mute, deaf, and dumbness in her. We also know that they torment mentally. In Matthew 15, this Syrophoenician woman, this Gentile woman, comes up to Jesus and asks for healing for her daughter. A Gentile woman in Matthew 15, 22, who lived there, came to him pleading, Have mercy on me, O God, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. This poor girl has been tormented severely. We know that in the Old Testament, King Saul had a tormenting spirit. The same spirit that I dealt with in Honduras. I, I didn't tell my wife this. Probably the first time she ever heard this. But in our old house, I came back from Honduras and uh, I was just had this sense of dread. I didn't know what happened. I just had this sense of dread. And I was, believe me, I was terrified that, that night. Like I went back home to my room and I, I read Psalm 119 over and over and over, right? That I will not be fearful. I will not fear the things in the night, right? All these things. I'm like casting demons out. I'm doing all this stuff. I'm terrified. I'm scared. I'm fearful. I could not sleep that night. The next day, I'm still afraid. I'll go back home, and, and for months, I had night terrors. I would wake up in the middle of the night sweating, cold sweating, couldn't talk. It's like out of a dream state, I would wake up, and I would try to say Jesus, and I couldn't say Jesus. I knew I needed to say Jesus, but I couldn't say Jesus. I'd be like, Jesus. And I'd finally come out. And this happened for months and months and months. And at first I thought it was just like nightmares. And then I realized, no, there's something tormenting here. There's something, there's something supernatural that's happening. And so one day I just took authority over that spirit. I cast it out. And when everybody was on, I took some oil, anointed my house, told to get out. In the name of Jesus, get out of my house. You spirit of deaf and dumbness, you spirit that terrorized me, get out of my house in Jesus' name. And you know what? I never had another episode after that. So we need to understand that we have authority over these spirits, that, that we don't have to fear them. They tr all they can do is intimidate us. That's all they can do. They try to stop the work of God in your life. And so they torment us mentally. We also know that, that the demonic spirits, that evil spirits can give supernatural knowledge and ability. 
In Acts 16, we see this young girl that has this, uh, the python spirit of the spirit of divination. And she is, it's enabled her to tell, the fort, uh, tell fortunes. This is in Acts 16. As we were going, Luke writes this story. To the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. So this evil spirit allowed this young girl to tell the, fort, to tell the future. We also see with the demoniac in the Gerasenes, the man with the legion, he had supernatural strength. It said he would break his chains often. They would try to bind him and take several people to hold him down, but they couldn't hold him down. And it tormented him as well. So we know that demons can affect us mentally, physically, and also spiritually. Demons affect us much like a cold affects us. There's, if a demon is attacking you, if a demon is onto you, or if a demon is, if you're demonized anyway, you're going to have symptoms of demonization. Again, like I said, not everything's a demon, but more things you think are. And so we need to understand that even though they're intimidating and deceptive, we should not fear them. We should never fear them because we have authority and power to cast them out. Jesus tells his disciples in Matthew 10, 7, 8, he tells his disciples this, as you go, proclaim, as you go saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You receive without paying, give without pay. What did Jesus send the disciples out to do? Proclaim the kingdom of God. That's the gospel. But not only that, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. That's part, that's your instrument, that's an, that's an instrumental part of the gospel, casting out demons, healing sick, and doing miracles. Scripture says signs and wonders will follow those who believe. I mean, come on, we, we, we want to dismiss this stuff, but we live in a society today that, that is so enamored with the spiritual and the supernatural. Just turn on the TV. What do you see when you turn on the TV? Read a book. Look around. Come on, the Wicca is rising in its popularity. Spiritualism is rising in its popularity. We need to know where these things come from and, and, and how to combat them. But we have authority over them. Because here's the thing. When the kingdom of heaven comes in, all of the kingdoms crumble. That's the beauty of it. Jesus is like, go proclaim the kingdom. Bring the kingdom to earth. Because when the kingdom comes, no other kingdoms can stand. His kingdom is above all other kingdoms. So when we pray for the sick, when we ask for, for God to step in and do miracles, what we're actually praying is, God, let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come into my life. Let your kingdom come into my health. Let your kingdom come into my marriage. Because where the kingdom is, darkness cannot stay. So we need to understand that. And so how do we deal with the demonic? How do we deal with with people who are demonized, maybe you're being demonically influenced or attacked. How do you handle that as a believer? Well, in Mark chapter 9, there's this beautiful story. I mean, it's a, it's a horrible story, but it has a redemption to it about a young boy who was demonized. And it, as you read this, it's a perfect blueprint on how believers are to deal with the supernatural and evil spirits. And so Mark chapter 9, verse 14 we're going to read it, and then I'm going to break it open for you and kind of see how Jesus cast out spirits and how he, want, he, he expects believers to do the same thing. And so Mark chapter 9, verse 14, it starts like this. So th this is right after the Mount of Transfiguration. If you read your Bible, Jesus is on this mountaintop. He's transfigured in front of them. He's talking to Moses. He's talking to, I mean, he's talking to Elijah, and they're discussing what's going on. And his disciples are like, oh, my goodness, Jesus is glowing. Let's build a tabernacle. And after this, they come back down 
from the mountaintop, and there's this commotion going on. And when they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them, and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. And when the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk, another deaf and dumb spirit. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. And Jesus said to them, You faithless people, how long must I be with you? Don't you love how beautiful Jesus is and nice to everybody? So kind. How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. This is the compassion part. He replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit of often throws him into the fire or into the water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And when Jesus saw the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, he said. I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared dead, and a murmur ran through the crowd as the people said, He's dead. But Jesus took him up by the hand and helped him to his feet, and he stood up. So as we read this story, we see some things happened. And we're going to break this story down and see how us as believers can approach demonic activity. First off, we need to know our authority. We need to know our authority over darkness. Notice Jesus' attitude to the situation. His disciples are trying to cast out this evil spirit. He comes to them and he's like, where's your faith? You don't believe? Where's your faith? All you got to do is believe. Where's your faith? Why couldn't you cast this demon out? And so we need to know our authority. They thought they had authority, but they didn't have the faith to back it up. And so we need to know our authority over darkness. This passage here, Matthew 12, tells us the authority that we have. Oops, sorry, skipped. There we go. Luke 10, verse 17. He tells us the authority we have. So he's sending the 72 out this time, 72 disciples, to, to, do, to proclaim the kingdom of God, to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, all this. And they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. See, it's always in the name of Jesus. Jesus is the one that delivers. It's nothing we can do. It's nothing that the ministry team can do. It's Jesus working through that situation that delivers. Jesus is the one that delivers. And so we need to know it's only through the power and the authority of Jesus' name that we have authority over anything. It's his authority, not ours. We're just walking in it. And so he says, look, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. I was there when Satan fell from heaven. This is what Jesus is saying. I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. You can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. He's not saying like literally snakes and scorpions. He's using terminology here. Snakes and scorpions are what we know as demonic powers. In the garden, what was Satan? A snake, a nagash. What was and, and scorpions are often translated in the Bible as evil spirits. And so these things that sting and bite, these are demons. Anything talk about tormentors, 
What does it do? If you read your Bible, it's really cool <laughs> when you realize, oh, that's what they're talking about. The imagery in the Bible. Look, it's a physical book. It's a, it, it tells history. It tells the story of Jesus, but it's also a spiritual book, and we need to look at it spiritually. And so when he's talking about demons, he's talking about snakes and scorpions. He's talking about demonic powers. He's saying you can crush them under your feet, other scripture, scripture says, other translations. We, we can trample on them. Like, we don't have to worry about it. We just take authority and trample on the powers of the enemy. But he goes on to say, nothing will injure you, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Believer, like, it's great that we have power over the enemy, but what's better is that our names are written in heaven. That is the ultimate. That is the ultimate. And so we need to know that we have authority over them. Second thing we need to do is have compassion for the person. Like I talked to a minute ago, far too often we attack the person and not the spirit in the person, and we neglect to give them the gospel. If you don't give that person the gospel of Jesus Christ, you can cast the spirit out of them, but they're going to be left off worse than they started. In Matthew 12, Jesus gives this example. Matthew 12, 43 says, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes from the desert seeking rest, but finding none, then it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds the former home empty, swept, and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there. And, that, and so that person is worse off than before. That will be the experience of this evil generation. Look, we have the authority to cast out. We have the responsibility to fill back in. As believers, we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We'll be filled with God. I have believers, I've heard somebody say, well, if we're filled by the Spirit, then how can we be full of anything else? That's a good question you need to ask yourself. Maybe you're not full of the Spirit. Because I know a lot of believers that are full of bitterness, full of rage, full of anger. And probably some of them that are full of demons or demonic activity. You have to be filled with the Spirit. And notice this, that any time the demonic came face-to-face with Jesus, they manifested and showed themselves. So we need to know, number two, is how to identify the Spirit. How to identify the Spirit. Often they kind of expose themselves. When Jesus shows up, they expose themselves. <laughs> and today we're going to have somebody share their testimony today. And this person was a believer. This person had been baptized. But this person was demonized, meaning it was affecting them in a certain way. It was affecting their family. And that person got delivered in the church from demonic oppression. And they're going to share their story of how God did it, what he did in that situation, and how we can be free. But we need to realize that that person's going to share about when they came in, like the demon that was affecting her was exposed, and it didn't like it. And so anytime Jesus comes in, the light of Jesus shines, darkness is exposed. And many times a person will have a demon and never know it's the thing that's causing all the problems in their life. But it isn't until the kingdom of heaven is near that they are exposed. So we need to identify the spirit. Often we need to know exactly what we're dealing with, right? So first we, we understand our authority. We have compassion on the person. We bring them to Jesus. We have compassion on the person, bring them to Jesus. And then we identify the spirit. We got to know what we're dealing with. Jesus very plainly said, you deaf and dumb spirit, come out. Jesus all the time said exactly what the spirit was and cast it out. You see this with the demoniac, he says, what is your name? And the demoniac says, I am legion, for I am many. And he casts them out. 
We have to know what we're dealing with. Demons have names, believe it or not. Mike's going to cover this a lot next week. Demons have names. They, they, they represent something. Names are powerful. We have to know uh, what they're doing and who they are. And so many times we're going to identify them by the effects. If you have a sickness, what happens? You go to the doctor. They look at the symptoms and say, okay, you got this, this, this. These are the po- possible problems. Same way in the life of, of somebody that's being demonized. You can look at their life and say, okay, these things are happening to your life. Possibly it's demonic. Sometimes it's not. A lot of times it's not. But sometimes it is. And so we need to know the difference. This is where discernment comes in. And then we also need to believe that the person can be delivered. Do you believe that somebody can be delivered? Well, first you have to believe in demonic activity before you can be delivered. Many of you today maybe experienced some kind of demonic activity in your life and nothing's, you have weird things happening to you. You have sicknesses that nobody can diagnose. Maybe there's strongholds in your life that, man, you've applied the word of God. You've done all the things we talked about in strongholds last week and you just can't get past. There's addiction that's just in you and you can't get rid of. Maybe there's something demonic in that. I guarantee you there's something demonic in that. And so we need to look at it and we need to identify it. And then we also need to believe that we can be delivered and that person can be delivered we're dealing with. Because as a believer, you have a responsibility to go and minister to people. And God will show you if that person is demonized or if that person just needs the gospel or both. A lot of times it's both. And so belief is a huge thing. Think about when Jesus came down from the mountain, the disciples couldn't cast this demon out. And what's he say? He says, where's your belief? Where's your faith? Even the boy's father said this, can you? Can you heal my son? Can you cast this demon out? And what was Jesus' response? Anything is possible if a person believes. You have to believe it. And I think that's why later in the story, Jesus goes to the disciples. The disciples are talking to Jesus going, man, why can't we cast this demon out? We did all the things you told us to do. Like we, we took authority, like we named it, we tried to cast it out, and it wouldn't be cast out. And what did Jesus tell them? This kind only comes out with prayer and fasting. Most translations say prayer, but there's also fasting in other translations. But when we read the story, we don't see Jesus praying or fasting either one. So what was he talking about? He's saying, you got to come in prepared. What did prayer and fasting do? It prepares the believer. It rises their faith up. And many of us, as we were waiting for the service, we, we fasted and we prayed because we knew it was a heavy subject. And we know that there's potential. And so we have to be prepared. So prayer and fasting build our faith. It says you got to be ready. you got to be ready. And then the last thing we need to do is make the, well, not the last thing, the next to the last thing, is make the spirit, the spirit submit to Jesus as authority. Notice Jesus spoke to the demon by name and commanded it to leave. This is, this is an opportunity as a believer to not just say, be nice. You cannot, look, you cannot be passive with the demonic. You have to take authority over the demonic. You don't ask it to leave, you tell it to leave. You have to, you have to be very stern with it. Jesus says this, listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, I command you to come out of this child and never enter again. Jesus took authority, he cast it out, and he told it where to go and never come back. Then Acts 16, the same girl with the python spirit, I'm going to read the rest of the story. 
Paul and uh, um, they're, they're traveling around and they, they bump up against this little girl who's got this spirit of divination and, and Paul gets angry and casts it out. So as, as they were going to the place of prayer, Acts 16, 18, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying, these men are servants of the most high God. I find it interesting that she was telling the truth. But there was something about it that irritated Paul. You proclaim, who proclaimed the way to salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become very greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, the person, the spirit, not the person. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. So we see even spirits, they're so deceptive, right? They'll even like, oh, yeah, Jesus is, yeah, he's, he's the man. But they're so deceptive, like, yeah, he's the only way to salvation, but they, don't, they can't receive it. And he cast her out, cast out that demon. So we have to make it submit to the name of Jesus. It's by Jesus that delivered by nobody else but his name. And the last thing we need to do is minister to the person delivered. You got to fill it back up, right? If something's gone, taken out, you got to fill it. This whole series, guys, is about taking out the things that are not of God and putting things that are in God back in your life. That's where freedom is. Remember, I talked about this? Freedom isn't the absence of something, it's the presence of someone. And so we're entering, injecting the Holy Spirit back into our lives where that thing was taken out. And so Jesus, as you see, always ministered to people that he delivered, that he healed. He always took the time to minister to the person, to care for them, to have compassion. He picks this little boy up. He sets him back on his feet. He sends him on his way. I think the most powerful story is the man that was demonized in the Gerasenes, the man that had the legion. He casts the legion out. They go into the pigs. Everybody's freaked out. And, and the man that was severely demonized come to Jesus and say, Jesus, can I follow you? I want to go with you. You've did something amazing in my life. And what did Jesus do? He immediately sent him in to be an evangelist. No training. He just said, go back to your town and tell them what happened to you. Jesus always takes the opportunity to minister to the person and give them purpose. And so we need to know how to, how to, how to disciple people and how to give them what they need. The sermon's needed. And, and so I know Mike's going to talk a little bit about that as well. So right now I want to have the teams come up. I want Tiffany to come up to share her story with you. Oh, up here, right here. Like I said, um, her story is so amazing. She sent me the full manuscript of it, and I was just blown away by what God had done. I mean, I know what God did in her life for the last year and a half, but to know where she came from and where she's at today is just amazing. And it was on a Sunday morning she was delivered here, and I'm going to have her tell her story a little bit about that. So I'm going to ask her some questions that, you, that maybe all of us have, and then she's going to answer those things and tell you her story about how she was delivered. So here you go, Tiffany. So Tiffany also, she used to clean our building a long time ago. And when she shared that with me and told me the story, I was like, that's amazing. And so, yeah, you used to clean our building, correct? I sure did. And I hated the sanctuary. Like I would, I worked for a commercial cleaning company that my friend owned. And um, this was Jan no, February of uh, 2020 to maybe May of 2020. Um, and it was like one night a week. And I would come in this, these doors right here and it was so dark and I would be so afraid, turn on the lights. And then I would see shadows while I was cleaning. Um, it was just terrifying to be in here. However, I did not know that this sanctuary was filled with just the presence of the Holy Spirit and his light just shined so bright in here that what was affecting me and hooked onto me 
could not touch me in here. And it was being exposed, but I didn't know that until March of 20, March 20th of 2022 when I was delivered. That's good. Yeah, when she told me, I was like, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So she used to clean hair, and she, she, she said she was afraid to come in here because that thing didn't want to be in it. Like, it knew this time was coming. I knew that was when it was going to be removed. And so you told me a little bit about how it affected your life. And so I just share with everybody how that thing affected you. So I will say this. Um, I actually accepted Christ in third grade. And the thing is, though, my whole life I would hear whispers. I would feel inadequate. I would push away anybody that came close to me. I would put myself in dangerous situations or do things like it was like my way or the highway. However, it wasn't my way or like I, it just wasn't me. Those are things that I would not want to do or put myself in harm's way. Um, it affected my marriage and my children because I would argue with my husband and bicker and I would not remember anything coming out of my mouth or anything I said to him. But everything that he said could be easily recalled. There were certain things I would put him through and wouldn't even realize I was putting him through. There would be times I'd be yelling at my kids because they weren't listening or spilled a cup of milk. And like, I'm sitting here like, shut up, Tiffany, just shut up already. But I could not stop talking. And that was very hard. Looking back on those days, I'm just like, wow, I could not stop talking. That's good. And so you, you also opened up in your, in your story about dabbling in witchcraft and also heavy drinking at some points. Um, and so those may have been entryway, but really it was the demonic activity in your life that kind of defined your whole life pretty much up until that point. Yes, definitely. And so it was that Sunday morning and you came up and got delivered. Tell us about what happened that day. So um, I knew Mike and Kim uh, because I'm going to share something here that I don't know why I'm sharing it in the service, but I'm going to share it because God's telling me to. Um, March of, no, April or March of 2019, I tried to take my own life. Um, and shortly after that, I got in contact with Mike and Kim and walked through my first deliverance. And um, while it Mike's house. He had to take authority over the spirit of divination, the python spirit, uh, while sitting on the couch because I got so sick to my stomach and I was like, oh, it hurts. And he stood up, walked to the back door and he said, no, you're in my house and I take authority over, over you divination. You have to leave her right now in Jesus name. And it felt like something, it, like when you said python spirit earlier, it felt like that was ripped from my stomach. Like it literally felt like something was ripped from my stomach. So anyways, long story short, um, So sorry, I don't know why that happened. But um, maybe two weeks beforehand, I reached out to Kim and I let her know what was going on. Uh, then I got invited to church. I came to church. I stood out there because I did not want to come in. I, I seriously did not want to come in. So I waited for my friend Amy to come up here to church. We walked in together and sat there and was praising and worshiping. And then the whole time during the sermon, which was titled uh, something about generational curses, I'm sitting there just like shaking, crossing my legs, doing this, trying to like, I didn't want to be here, but I knew I needed to get up to the front because I'd been praying for deliverance. And what's crazy is I fasted that week from social media because that's all I could fast from. Like, that's it. Because I was addicted to alcohol. I can't even explain to you how addicted to alcohol I was, but two bottles of wine a night, being honest there, very blunt and not good. 
The sermon was over, altar call came. I ran down here, it was like Jesus just gave me the strength to like get down here. And I'm sitting there weeping, praying, I'm like, leave in Jesus' name, leave in Jesus' name, and it did not leave. I, was, I felt defeated, but Kim came up and she goes, hey, is it gone? And I said, no. And she goes, hold on. She went and got Mike, and they come over, and I told him what was going on. He goes, hold on, I know what to do. Kim stood here. There was another lady over here on the side of me, and I, I don't know who it was, and it was right there. And he got down on his knees, and he started praying, started washing my feet spiritually. <laughs> and he was speaking in tongues. And I know Karen and Neil were up here during the announcements, like this is all going on. And um, he's speaking in tongues, but I hear like some English going on there. And it's like, she's mine. And in my name, you have to leave. And this thing left. Yeah. Like it, it left. And it has not come back in Jesus' name. And it is not coming back in Jesus' name. And I have not been the same since. Like there's been, I can't even explain to you. My husband had trauma responses from all the trauma I put him through. However, the way I would react or the way that I have changed, it has led our whole household to freedom. Like we're literally like our, our kids are still walking through it, but my husband and I are completely free. Yeah, so it's awesome. amazing. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Appreciate it. Thank you. So here's the thing. Demons are real. But so is Jesus. Jesus has given us authority through his name to cast out every demonic spirit and every power that comes up against us. Look, scripture says we do not battle against flesh and blood, but every but against powers and principalities in this dark, unseen realm. Right? And so we have authority and we have power. And and here's the most beautiful thing about this whole thing is Jesus actually gave us a prayer to deliver us part of the prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Jesus gives everyone this prayer. Maybe you prayed it a lot when you were a kid. Maybe you didn't know this was really a prayer for deliverance. It's, it's really a prayer for anything. It's a perfect prayer. This is why Jesus gives it to us. It's, it's what we know as the Lord's Prayer. And I want to break it down for you. And so this is how we get deliverance. Maybe we need to get delivered all the time because there's always stuff affecting us. There's always the demonic trying to get in and trying to do something in our lives. And so I'm going to break this this prayer down for you. Jesus says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our holy is your name. First, we need to realize the power from above, that God is above all things. He is above all power, all principality, all, all lesser gods. God is the true God. And he is holy. He is set apart. He's different. He is more powerful than anything. And you need to realize that, that you are not holy, but he is. And then your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When God's kingdom comes in, darkness steps out. We pray that God's kingdom would come into our life, into our situation, and be done perfectly like it is in heaven. And then we pray, give us today our daily bread. We're not praying for food here. This is a prayer for Jesus to come into our life. Jesus says, I am the bread that came down from heaven. I am the manna that came down from heaven. Jesus is our daily bread. And so you come and you say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I need you. I need you every day in my life. I need you to empower my life. I need you to sustain me. And then once we've received Jesus, we go to the next step. We forgive our debts. We forgive our sins. We come to Jesus and he forgives our sins. And that enables us to forgive our debtors or people that have sinned against us. We talked about this very strongly. If you can't forgive other people, there's a stronghold in your life. 
If you can't forgive other people, demons have full access to your life. Forgiveness is key. And so you have to be, you have to understand how you're forgiving through Jesus Christ, and then you're able to forgive. And then the next part of the prayer says, and lead us not into temptation. This is, this is a negative, but really if you switch it around, it's a positive. What you're praying in that moment is God's lead me in the paths of righteousness. Don't lead me to temptation. Lead me in the right paths. Lead me in the paths that lead you. Lead me into freedom, Lord. That's what we pray when we pray this. And then the very last part, but deliver us from evil. I looked this up in the Greek. It means deliver. Deliver us from the evil one. Deliver me from the powers and principalities of darkness. Deliver me from my enemy. And he will. Maybe at that point you need to name that thing that's been affecting you and ask Jesus to deliver. He's the one that delivers. Like this prayer team's up here, they're gonna pray for you, but it's not their power that does it. It's the power of Christ that does it. And so this is what I'm gonna do. I want you to stand. Maybe you need prayer for anything else. So maybe you need healing. Maybe you just need God to step in and do a miracle in places. He can do that. But maybe you need some deliverance in your life. Maybe you're looking while I was speaking, like, man, that's me. Okay, that's me. That's me. That's, that's been affecting me. This has been going on my whole life. Maybe it was the night terror. Maybe it was what she said, the spirit of suicide. Maybe there's, there's some spirit inactive in your life and you need to get rid of it. Today, the spirit of alcoholism, drunkenness, addiction, that stuff can leave in the name of Jesus. It has to flee. And so today we're going to take a stand. And so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to pray. And then you're going to come up. You're going to find somebody to pray with you and agree in prayer that this thing is going to leave. And you may just need prayer for anything else. Please come up for that as well. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, as they sing, as we sing, that people would have the courage to step out and get rid of this thing once and for all. No more, Jesus. We put our foot in the ground and we cast that thing out in Jesus' name. You have no power, no authority in my life. I am a son. I am a daughter of God. You, I am yours, God, and nothing else belongs in me. And Father, I think we take stand on that. We thank you, Lord, for that right now. God. So I pray you bring them up, everyone that needs prayer, by the power of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Come get prayer.